Come on, church, how about their Tar Heels, huh? You have to understand, I don't know if you're a Duke fan, but uh, it's a little weird they call them the devils. But I, I, I have to tell you, I am a man that just loves my boy Roy. And part of that is I know he's back home, but you got to know that I'm from the Midwest and uh, what he did out in Kansas was awesome. And so we're still grieving that a little bit, to be honest, uh, but I'm celebrating. And I, I'll tell you, I wept at the end of that game. I was just so happy for him. Uh, but with all that being said, there's just nothing like the church. I'll tell you, I, I, we play a national championship game every week and get to win every week. I'm just telling you, I love the church. And uh, it is so cool to be at New Hope. God is up to something. You know, our people say this all the time uh, in South Dakota. Now, our people leave South Dakota quite often, and they come your way. And we're going to talk about that in a minute because there's just something wrong with that. Um, <laughs> but they say this all the time. You really never know what you have until you get away for a moment and you get out and see what's out there. And I'll say the same for you because our people come back and go, man, we just miss church. And even right now, I'm missing them. I've been texting back and forth and so many people praying for me that I'm here and I'm praying for them there. And, and uh, I just gotta tell you, I, I love the church and you've got an incredible thing going here. God's hand is on this church and you need to know that. Uh, if you don't know that, I'm gonna come out there and slap you. Cause I, I mean, you need to know that. God is up to something and I just love your pastor. Benji is just so cool. But you got a whole team of it. And, and you need to celebrate that. I mean, Fuller, isn't that guy just great? I mean, it's just like, can you? <laughs> I mean, he's just got a great name, doesn't he? Cause like, I, I look at him and like, can you get any Fuller? I mean, it's just, it's just awesome. But you have heroes all of this church that I just love. And, and I, I was not instructed to say this. I'm telling you as a pastor, I believe this. But there are people all over this church, people in the back that run sound and lights and cameras, people that greet at the doors and work at the coffee shop, so much stuff that goes on behind the scenes. And they're my heroes. I, I tell our people all the time, man, my job's easy. They give of their time over and over again. And why? Because they love Jesus and also because they love people. And I, they're just my heroes. And I'm just so proud of them and so thankful. And I, I'll just share with you, we are most like Jesus when we're serving. We are most like Jesus when we're washing feet. And I, I'm just proud of our people because they just give and give and give. And they do it because God loves and they love. And they're responding to it. And so I just encourage you, if you're not, man, if you're not serving somewhere, get in. Because you'll be blessed more than you're the blessing. It's God's work done God's way, never lacks his support, never lacks his return. And uh, I'm just so grateful for all of you. And I just want to say hi to all of our campuses. Man, you're awesome. And I love technology that we all get to be together. Isn't it cool that we're in this room with, with hundreds of people, and yet there's hundreds of people that are a part of this room that are not even in the room? Isn't that awesome? And I just love it. And I'm just so proud of you and excited and thrilled with what God's going to do. Now, I, I want to come back to what I said because 
I, I'm shocked by the fact that so many of our people, they always vacation to the south. I mean, I just don't see a lot of you south people vacation to the north. And uh, I, I don't quite get that. And, uh, you know, so I want to tell you a little bit. Of, there, there's a difference between North Carolina people and South Dakota people. And I want to, I want to help you. With, uh, how many have been to South Dakota? Come on. Yeah. Okay. Watch now. You ready for this? How many have been there in January and February? Yeah. You know, you're from there, you know, back to visit. Yeah. See, that's what I'm saying. And it's just, it's just, y'all just wusses. I mean, I want to help you with this. 40 below zero people from North or, or, or excuse me, above zero. Let's start high and we'll go low. 40 above zero people from North Carolina shiver uncontrollably. It's just wild. While us people in South Dakota, we sunbathe. I mean, my parents now live in Florida because they sort of lost their mojo, I think. And they now live in Florida. And we go down there like over Christmas and they work for Disney. And so it's awesome, you know, as a pastor, because, you know, we don't do this, you know, to, to make money. We do this because we love people. And so uh, I, uh, we go down there because everything's free, which is really awesome. So we go there quite often. So around Christmas time, we go down and visit. And it's awesome because all the people, like they have a little cold front they don't come out. And like Disney's empty, you know? So we love it, you know? We just think it's great. But, but when it gets to 20 above zero, people from North Carolina put on multiple coats, gloves, and long underwear. We drive with our windows down. I mean, that's what we do. When it's 20 below, people from North Carolina fly to Florida, you know? Well, we just put on kind of a light jacket. It's like, really? When it's 40 below, you people die. I mean, you just die. I'm our Girl Scouts go door to door and sell cookies, okay? But when it's 100 below, hell freezes over while our public school systems open two hours late. I mean, that's what happens in South Dakota. We're just, it's crazy. I understand it's a frozen tundra, and people always ask me, do you guys have electricity yet? I'm just like, Really? I can tell you this, that, that, that our bathroom caught fire the other day, almost spread to the house, if that'll help, okay? But I have to tell you, I, I love what I do, and I'm thrilled to be here. What I want to do is I want you to look at the screen with me, and I want you to read out loud. Now, you got to read this nice and loud. I want to read together a passage that a lot of church people, this is very familiar. If you're a guest, man, we'll always say Welcome. It's a cool thing when guests come to the church. You know why that's cool? Because obviously they discovered that the people there say, you're welcome. We're glad you're here. Come on in. You belong. And that's what this church is about. So if you're a guest, man, welcome home. Can I just say that? Welcome home. But I want everybody to read this aloud together because we're gonna talk about it just a little bit. Come on, church. Now to him who is able to do in this life, stop there for a moment. If there's something that grieves my heart is when Christians keep talking about what God had done when he's still the God that can keep doing it. It's in this life God wants to do something now. 
He still parts water. I just think we quit asking. God, God loves to show off. I just think there's a part of God that's like, man, I'm good. You know, I just do. He wants to show you how great he is and how much he loves you, how much he adores you. The fact the Bible says when it came to the cross, I'm just paraphrasing, he was happy to go there because he knew what you and I needed. And the Bible says it was a joy set before him that he endured that. That's how much he loves us. And he wants to do it now. And I will tell you, God has done great things in this church. Would you agree? I think he's just getting started. I think he's just getting started. I love this. Come on, church. Let's keep reading. Exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ever ask, think, or imagine according to the power that works within us. Oh my goodness. What God wants to do in us and through us. I like the way the Living Bible says it. Now we give glory to God who by his mighty power, by his mighty power at work within us is able to do far more than we could ever dare Devil dog, triple dog dare to ask or even dream of infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. Come on, church. I love this stuff. God wants us to experience his hand. And God wants to play his hand. And he wants to do it now in this time. We like to say this at our church. This is our time. This is God's town, and it starts today. This is God's time. What a time to be the bride of Christ. What a time. I'll tell you this. I love my wife. I don't know what I'm telling you. And people always go, you really believe there's a God? I said, look who I married. You got to be kidding me. You believe in grace? God obviously likes me. I'm not sure he likes her, but he likes me. You know it. <laughs> She's amazing. And if I love my wife and I can't even begin to fathom the heart of God, think how much he loves his. This is our time, church. This is our time. You know, years ago, there's a Christian movie, Christian movie that hit the theaters. And I have to tell you, I, I, I loved it. I mean, this Christian flick changed millions of life. The movie was Jaws. Oh, come on. It changed their I wouldn't even swim in a public pool. I thought I was tough. I was like, no way. I don't care, salt water or not. Man, I'm telling you, this stuff, this is for real. But you know the story, the great white shark. The great white shark, a fish that weighed nearly 5,000 pounds and was over 20 feet in length and it wreaked havoc on everyone. It changed our world, how people even approach the waters on either coastline. But now I say that to tell you about a study, a study I think is incredible. And it was done in the Great Whites. 
And it was done by a group of marine biologists. And here's what they discovered, that in their natural, don't forget that, in their natural habitat, they can and they do have the potential to become jaws. In their natural habitat, to grow to over 20 feet in length and weigh over 5,000 pounds. But here's what I found interesting. If you take that same fish as a baby and you stick it in a small aquarium, they can only grow to a length of 12 to 15 inches. The great white. And it will only weigh about 15 to 20 pounds. That's just crazy. Let me put it in another, another context. Same fish, even though they have a God-given God-created potential to grow over 20 feet in length and weigh over 5,000 pounds, when confined, when confined, they'll never reach their fullest potential. Here's what I think. I think the same is true with us as the church. We've taken ourselves out of our natural, God-created understanding. And we've surrendered to lesser than. I don't think we can fathom who this God is. I love when Fuller said, let's just think about Jesus. Oh my goodness. What God has for his church, what he laid down for it. And New Hope, I just say this I think God wants to give you a bigger aquarium. Because no one loves the people of this area more than God. And he wants you to experience that love. So you'll take that love so they too can have that love. He is not done yet. I, I, I have the privilege of spending some time with a band that you're very familiar with called Switchfoot. And they have a song that says, we were meant to live for so much more. We were meant to live for so much more. Have we lost ourselves? And the answer is yes, I think we have. But I think God wants to help us get back to that so he can show us what he had desired and what his bride is prepared to do when his bride understands who they are. That God wants to take us beyond our understanding, beyond our limits, and that in the end, all that we can do is just praise and glorify God. Wow, what an awesome God he is, amen? What a powerful God. There's a bridge in the song, however, that says this, we want more than this world has to offer. And I believe it's true. So here's what I want you to do. I wanna encourage you to take out your notes and I wanna simply have you fill in two blanks real quickly. And so this that I wanna to speak to, that I don't believe that God wants us to experience success as much as God wants us to discover significance. So I only say that because too often when we hear the word success, we define it in human terms. But when we understand significance, 
then we have to understand who God made us to be. And so we don't look around to compare ourselves. We look within and we let God take us to where he wants us to be. And we get to be all that he had purposed and planned. Now, here's what I wanna do. I don't know about you, but when I went through school and you got an A, that was a big deal. Would you agree with that? I don't, I don't know what that was like, but I gotta tell you <laughs> that when I went to school, if you got one, it's a big deal. See, when I graduated, I graduated magnum cum lucky. And my, uh, <laughs> my mom and dad were like, thank you, Lordy. You know, and, um, so I, I just say that, but I'm gonna do something that you need to know about God. Here's what I love about God. In a schoolroom, in a classroom, we have to earn our A. You know what's cool about God? He gives it to us in advance. God says, listen, there's no plan B, there's just plan A. And I love you just as much as I love anyone else. And you're my star pupil. And he puts us in the classroom called life and he says, I want you to live in to your fullest potential. And so I'm gonna give you the three A's in advance. And so I want you to write the first one in and let's just jump into this thing. What does it mean to be significant, to live that out in Christ? Here's the first thing we need to know. We need to be fully awakened. There's the first A. If we're gonna experience all that God has immeasurably beyond anything we could understand, that we could dream or imagine then we need to be fully awakened to our true God-given identity. This is important. See, listen, identity is everything. Identity is everything because what you understand, what it means who you are in Christ will determine everything that you become in life. See, if you, if you see God as a little God, like, like you just, God just like gives you a small aquarium, you'll learn to live within that. But you'll never be your natural self and experience all that God has. See, you have to, you have to understand this. You know, I don't know if you ever heard this old adage, you are what you think about. Have you ever heard that before? You are what you think about, it's just not true. It's just crap because I'd have been a girl by the age of 16. <laughs> so, <I> was, <laughs> that one, that one, well, it's just true. But listen to this. We're not, this is powerful. We're not who we think we are. And we're not who others think we are. We have become what we think others think we are. Ooh. I want you to think about that. We're not who we think we are. We're not who others think we are. We have become what we think others think we are. How sad is that? Uh, we're like little Simba in The Lion King. Have you forgotten who you are? And the answer is yes. And we spend so much time exhausting our brain and feeding it, if you will, on what? what we think other people think we are. How much energy, we, what would they, boy, if they knew that about me, what would they think about me? And by the way, if you find out, is it really gonna change you? So, I, I want you to hear this. I don't know what you think of me. 
I don't say it with any disrespect. There's a part of me that doesn't really care. Because I want to tell you what God says about me. God likes me, man. My God thinks I'm cool. Hey, he does. He's like, that's my boy, man. I love that guy. You know what? And he feels the same about you. By the way, he says that knowing all of the human shortcomings that I have. And he still loves. And he loves you. We got to get back to that. See, that's my identity. I'm a child of the king. A child of the king. That's why I love the words of A.W. Tozer. We need to get a personal revival a personal revival. And to do this, we've got to get thoroughly dissatisfied with ourselves, our understanding, what other people say, and get fully satisfied with God and what he says. That's who we are. And, and by the way, no one does this better than the prodigal son. I love that story. I mean, if you don't know the story, Jesus tells it. It's about a boy that sort of thought he knew best. You ever met someone like that? I'll show you. I mean, isn't that kind of the game that gets played? I think that's the depth of people who chase the corporate climb, who think that somehow if I have the most toys, somehow I'll win. What will people think of me? And we let that identity tell us who we are. Same as the prodigal son. I'll show you, dad. And he takes off. But when he comes to the end of himself, which by the way, everybody will, and better to do that today than at your grave. Hmm? But when he comes to the end of himself, he's awakened and he thinks of his dad. I just wanna go home. I just wanna come to the father. And he does just that. He gets awakened to his true God-given identity. And guess who tells him that? His father. Dad, I'm just happy being a slave. Mm -mm. You're my boy. You were lost, now you're found. Welcome home. And in that, we begin the process of seeing God begin to do immeasurably more than we could ever imagine. Amen, church? Here's the second, write this in. We have to become incredibly aware there's the second A. We must become incredibly aware of our great God-given possibilities. See, I think too often we're like the shark, trapped by the lies of others. So we think that we can't because we're too small, too big, too short, too tall, not strong enough, not good enough. If I could just be Benji. He'd be on sabbatical. <laughs> but, you know. but if I could just be Benji and could communicate like he does, if I just had the gifts of Fuller, and we go on and on, don't we? Oh, maybe we don't say it out loud, but we say it to ourselves. We're always looking out. Boy, if I could just, if I... See, I'll say it again, man. I don't want to be anybody but me. Because if I'm not me, no one's going to be me. And there's going to be a gaping hole in this world. The same is true with you. God loves you. 
And what he has for you is unbelievable. And we've got to get aware of that. My Bible says I can do all things through Christ. In fact, watch this. You know what Jesus said? Mm -hmm. Not only can you do all things, Jesus said this, you'll do even greater things. That's what Jesus said. He was like, really? He's like, oh man, I'm gonna send you this little dude called Casper. He's gonna come back, invade your life. Oh my, it's gonna change your life. I love that. The power of what God can do. But if you think you are beaten, you are. If you think you dare not, you don't. If you'd like to win but think you can, it's almost certain you won't. Life's battles don't always go to the stronger, faster man. But sooner or later, the man who wins is the man who thinks he can. <laughs> Amen to that. Charles Schwartz said this, most of us are like a 10-speed bike. We have gears we never use. Imagine what God has for you. Listen, I'm not promoting fiction. I'm pretty sure when Golden State plays for the championship next year, okay, <laughs> and, and LeBron doesn't. Anyway, um, okay, now you know where I'm at. But, uh, but I'm a pastor. I'm just communicating where God's at. But I, I, I say that. I say that. I'm not going to be on the court for either team. It's pretty obvious. So I'm not promoting fiction. But what I'm telling you is this. Most of life never gets lived because too many of the lies that we've become to believe Some of you have an earthly dad, and I'm saddened, I truly am, and I'm sorry. If he told you, you're not gonna amount to anything. But I wanna tell you about a heavenly dad who says something completely different. I don't say that to disrespect your dad, but I want you to listen to this. You can't keep following Christ by talking about what once was. You're looking in the wrong direction. The hope lies out here in what the Father says. It's not what a coach said. It's not what a teacher said. It's not what a neighbor said. It's not what a coworker says. It's what God says. You're my child. And the possibilities are endless if you trust me. There's a story that says a man died and ran into St. Peter. And I always think it's funny. Why do we always use St. Peter? I just wonder sometimes, like, why? I mean, why don't you say St. John sometime, you know? But he said, a man died, ran into St. Peter at the pearly gates. Immediately, the man inquired, St. Peter, you know, I've been interested in military history for years. Can you tell me who was the greatest general of all times? Well, that's simple, said Pete. It's that man right over there. The man began to chuckle and said, you gotta be kidding me. I knew that man, that was my neighbor. He's just a commoner like me. He said, oh, I know, that's right. But he would have been the greatest if he'd have been a general. We were meant to live for so much more. Have we lost ourselves? Folks, life doesn't get better by chance. It gets better by change and that change comes when we change the way we think about who we are and what God can do. We've got to change it. Parker Palmer, a philosopher and author, wrote, our real freedom comes from being aware. Our real freedom comes from being aware that we don't have to save the world. I love what Fuller said. 
just clean up the living room. We just need to make a difference in the place where we live. And the possibilities are in. Let me just piggyback what's coming one day. I'm so excited about this for you. July 30th, one day. And maybe, maybe you don't, or are or, or able to boast as a pastor where we've been a part of seeing thousands come to Christ. Let me just say this. Make no mistake, you've been a part of that. But sometimes we stop and go, my goodness, my life really can't make a difference. Maybe you'll only touch one. And you stop and think, wow, what's the big deal about that? But maybe that one is the next Billy Graham. I don't know about you, I'm good with that. If that's what you want from me, God, come on. Wow. But if you don't get serious of understanding how important that one is, then the next Billy Graham won't exist. What God can do through your life. Amen? We've got to become incredibly aware of our great God-given possibility. Here's the last. We have to become fully alive. Oh, my the third day, fully alive to our God-given responsibility. You know what that responsibility is? To start dreaming again. To get outside the aquariums that we've put ourselves in. Rabbi Harold Kushner says this, our souls are not hungry for fame, comfort, wealth, or power. I believe this. We'll settle for them. But that's not what our souls are hungry for. Those rewards create almost as many problems as they solve. I, I like what my friend says. He says, more toys just means more insurance. You know it? <laughs> Our souls are hungry for meaning, for the sense that we have figured out how to live so that our lives matter, so that the world will be at least a little bit different for having passed through it. That's what our souls are hungry for what God can do, people, when we become fully alive to the responsibility that we have. You know, I don't know if you've heard this name, Wayne Cadero. He's a pastor in Hawaii. Had the privilege of sitting at a conference that he was speaking at, and it just changed me what he said. He said, you know, people talk all the time about the end times. We're in the end times. And I'm just gonna take a little side note to let you know, we may be in the end times. I hope it doesn't happen today. I'm going to tell you why. Because, again, it grieves my heart when I hear Christians whose names are written by the Lord and Savior in the book of life awaiting for what is to come when we all know people that if he does today, they would die and go to hell. And if I understand salvation, I surrendered my wants, my will to his that thousands of people would know Christ. I know I have a responsibility in that. And so I pray he doesn't come today because I have friends back in Sioux Falls that I want to see be in glory. And we've got work to do. Now, if he chooses to do that, especially while I'm preaching, it's pretty clear he's like, okay, he's done. <laughs> it's not good, all right? But I still get to be home, amen? 
But Wayne says this, if we're in the last days, we need to change our thinking and understand what's going on. He said, I liken it to a four by 100 race in the Olympics. The most famed event that everybody packs the stadiums to watch when every country brings their four best runners, the fastest from around the world, and the gun goes off, but we all know as they keep passing the baton, there's one runner they call the anchor leg. And he's the fastest, he's the best athlete on that team. And Wayne says, if we're in the end times, do you understand we're God's best to bring it home? God in his sovereignty knew when you were to be born. He knew when you needed to be on planet earth. And so when I see what's happening, the signs of the time, Again, it grieves my heart when her Christian's going, oh, it's so bad. No, 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 no. Light shines best in darkness, people. This is our time. This is our town. And it begins today. Oh, my. I want to be God. Give me that baton. Let's go. God wanted his best. And you're it. We're it. Let's take the baton and bring it home. We got a race to run. As Paul said, let's fight the good fight. Let's finish the race. Because he's a God that can do immeasurably more than we could ever dream or imagine. We got to get out of our aquariums and get into our natural environment of the possibilities that God has. Now to him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly. Oh, he can do it and wants to. Above anything that we could ask or think because of the power, the power that works. We're in this together. It's time. What an incredible moment to be the bride of Christ. Mm. Let me tell you about our little place in the world. You see, I'm in the Midwest in a little town called Sioux Falls. And I've gotten to witness the incredible hand of God in so many ways. But let me tell you what I tell our people. You know, we're not LA, we're not New York, we're not Dallas, we're not all these great cities. But if I remember scripture, Jesus was born in Bethlehem and raised in a little town called Nazareth. And in Hebrew, that means Sioux Falls. <laughs> and if Jesus can take an insignificant town, birth his son, change the world, then he can turn around and create a revival in Sioux Falls that'll impact forever. Two years ago, this past June, I was in Florida my wife and I took four weeks and just spent the time with the family. I was just laying myself before God and God gave us a new vision as a church. I came back, spent several months just incubating it in prayer. And the short of the story is in November, this November, it'll be two years, I stood in front of the congregation of people and I said, I think God wants us to be ascending church. That means anybody who walks through our doors we're gonna do what New Hope's doing. We're gonna reach them, we're gonna teach them, but we're gonna send them back out. We got work to do. Because when I get to heaven, 
There are two things I won't do, and I'm pretty sure you won't either. Sin and reach lost people. There's a little window called planet Earth, and this is our time to be the bride of Christ. And so I said, how many in this room feel a full call to ministry? I've never asked you this before, but you have come week in and week out, and you sense that maybe God's calling you into full-time ministry. I barely got those words out, and 85 people stood up in our congregation. And I said, church, we're gonna plant 50 churches. We're gonna plant 50 churches. And it's grown much larger than that. But I will tell you, at the end of this year, we'll have planted 18 of them. By the end of 2018, five more will be underway. And we believe it will be halfway there. We believe it would take 10 years and roughly in two and a half, we'll be already there in half of it. God's up to something in a little place called Sioux Falls, South Dakota, why? God's just looking for a people that would say, here I am, use me, God. I'm your child. The possibilities are endless. And now is our time. And it's blowing my mind what God's doing. It's blowing my mind. People, you gotta start believing in who God made you to be. You gotta continue to believe but beyond, you've got to take the vision that God has given this church through Benji and say, I'm in. You've got to believe in each other and join the team. I love what Helen Keller says, alone we can do so little. Together, we can do so much. But more than anything, we've got to believe in God of what he can do. As Paul said, I know in whom I believe. And I'm convinced he's able. I'm convinced he's able. We need a personal revival to be fully awakened to our true God-given identity, become incredibly aware of the great God-given possibilities and become fully alive to our God-given responsibility. And on graduation day, you know what God's gonna say? Well done. My child, you're magnum cum laude. But I don't think he's gonna say that. He's gonna say, you're magnum cum lord because you're my kid. That's who I am. Who is it? Who's the one person? You see, when I look at our church, I see our people. But you know what else I see? I see the empty seats. I don't say that to guilt you. I say that because God's up to something. Because if we believe that God is sovereign and if we believe that God knew what he was doing and if we believe that God planted this church through Benji, then God made sure that the number of chairs in this auditorium would be that they are and that his house would be full. Which means every one of those empty chairs has a name on it. And the key to those names are you. I don't think God's done a new hope. I think he made this church to be a great white. And in its natural habitat, it will reach its fullest potential, amen? It'll reach its fullest potential. Man, I love you. I don't even know some of you and I love you. And I'm so excited of the stories I'm gonna get to hear through your pastor about how many more are gonna come to Christ, amen? Come on, church.
He's an awesome God, isn't he? I love it. Let me pray for you. Father, I feel like a little kid in a candy store. I feel like a little kid on Christmas morning. Man, there is something going on. Something throughout our nation and our world. That the floodgates of heaven are opening in a way like never before. Man, I don't see the problems in the world, maybe that some do. I see the great potential of what God can do. As we come alive to what it means to be the church. God, I pray for that person in this room right now that may not know who you are, but they're saying, man, I don't get it all, but I want that. God, what a time today to step across that line, so to speak, and let you be Lord. God, I pray, even with Pastor Benji and Amy Lynn, as they're in this moment of time, not just resting physically, but spiritually lying at your feet, and you're speaking in to their lives. God, expand that vision even greater. No one loves the people of this area more than you. Put that love in us like never before. And we're gonna say thanks in advance because of the God that you are. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Praise God.